0: Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle Sprite Castle with Rob O'Hara. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which I play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara and on this episode of Sprite Castle I will be discussing bounces. Do you happen to know how large the world's biggest rubber band ball is? Well, I know that sounds unrelated, but you'll know the answer to that trivia question by the time we get to the end of this week's episode. Now, before I get started talking about this week's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy headlines. Welcome back to another episode of Sprite Castle. Now, last week on you don 't know Flack, I covered Tron. I talked about the movie Tron and and uh, all different oh different things about Tron, but on my YouTube channel. I uploaded a video of me playing uh, Tron games for the Commodore 64. I found at least a dozen different Tron clones for the Commodore 64. They're all um, clones of the Tron Cycle minigame that you've probably seen as part of the arcade game. But uh, if you'd like to watch that, head over to my Sprite Castle Plays feed, which is a playlist that lives under youtube.com forward slash Amigos retro gaming. So if you like, uh, I know that it's a technically it's a different podcast, but it's all me. And uh, if you like Tron and you like Commodore 64 games, then you might enjoy watching that. So again, go uh, to YouTube and go to Amigos retro gaming, or just look for the Sprite castle plays uh, playlist on YouTube and you will find that. Uh, I got some feedback about the last episode, which was man copter. Uh, I saw a tweet from the bearded son of Nell who said he had been having a good weekend yesterday. He did a bunch of yard work as he listens to Sprite Castle podcast. Well, that's, um, it's always interesting to me to find out what people do, while they're listening to podcasts, you know, it's not like TV is, is pretty passive. You know, movies are, are passive. You, you sit in front of a, a big screen or a small screen, whatever the case may be. And you, you watch a movie, you know, but, but podcasts, uh, you know, with our phones and and headphones and earbuds or whatever, you can be completely mobile. So I never know what exactly people uh, are doing, what else they're doing when they're listening to my shows or or other people's shows. Um, you know, back before, uh, the, uh, back before the dark times, the pre COVID era, uh, I was, um, I was still actually teleworking. That's not really fair. I was teleworking from home quite a bit anyway, but, uh, I did go into the office a couple of days a week and, um, that 30 minute drive, that was my uh, podcast time. I would listen to a podcast, you know, half hour on the way to work, half hour on the way home. And, sometimes during the day while I'm working. It depends on what I'm doing. I don't know how you are. Um, you know, some things I can do. I can't, uh, I can't write. It seems like, uh, while I'm listening to podcasts, but I can edit, I can code, I can definitely script while I'm listening to podcasts. So there are things I could do and, and some things that are just not conducive to it. And, uh, you know, like a lot of people, I'm doing a lot of, uh, online zoom meetings and, and things like that at the moment. So obviously you can't listen to podcasts while you're doing that. But, uh, um, so now, yeah, I'm not not doing as much driving or commuting these days, but I'm still listening to podcasts, uh, during the day when I can. And, uh, you know, sometimes during lunch or early in the morning, a lot of times I'll listen to a new episode of, of different podcasts. Um, so anyway, yeah, I had people do all, all sorts of different things while they're listening, uh, to podcasts. And so I just thought it was interesting uh, that somebody was out doing yard work (laughs) while I was going on about Commodore 64 games. Uh, I got a a, a tweet from Trond. Uh, He is uh, back for Retro on Twitter, and he said he had to try out Mancopter. He hadn't played that in his youth, but he's been missing out, and he had a blast with this one. And I agree, you know, Mancopter is one of those games that uh, a lot of people never saw. Um, and, And I mentioned on the last episode that it was the type of game where, you know, if you hadn't read the manual, you might not understand everything that's going on. So I'm sure as a kid, uh, I mean, I, I mentioned, you know, that I had downloaded that game as a kid, but I probably didn't give it a fair shake because I didn't understand all the intricacies and all the uh, little things uh, that you could do or that were going on in the game. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, one of those games that, uh, I mean, it's not going to change the world, you know, but it's a fun little game. It's a little bit like this week's game uh, that's fun and, and probably not a lot of people played. Um, uh, then, uh, I got a, a comment from Michael D'Angelo uh, Michael has been a long, long, long time supporter of the podcast, long time listener. Uh, he said he was looking forward to Mancopter and that he had never heard of it, but he said that after listening to the episode on load runner, he went back and played the Xbox version. And then he said that game gets uh tough very quickly. And I agree that's, um, man, load runner is definitely one of those games that, uh, you know, the first two or three levels are pretty simple. And, uh, you know, three or four more levels after that can uh, just be super frustrating. Again, that's, uh, we talked about how on load runner, there's 150 levels. And I saw one of uh, my listeners said they got to level 50 and it took them, uh, I think a couple days or so. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, incredible, uh, all the work that went into all those different uh, levels. There's some pretty. Diabolical. I don't know if I used that word before. There's some diabolical level design uh, later on in Load Runner. So, uh, yep, yeah, got some cool feedback. Always appreciate, uh, you know, anything you guys have to tell me about the games that I play and your experiences or listening to the podcast or gosh, just about anything. Saw some cool stuff online this week. I saw a new episode of the 8 bit show and tell. That's Robin Harbin's. Uh, YouTube show and on this week's episode, he shows how to create a JRPG style menu. Uh, you know those menus that pop up where you choose dialogue in RPGs and stuff, and it was pretty cool. And he went through and used Basic and showed uh, how to do that. I, his videos, there's something about uh, his voice, and, and he's very calm and very patient the way he he demonstrates things and shows things. So I always enjoy uh, watching his videos. And of course I enjoy his other podcast growing up eighties that he does with the uh, Darren fold. So if you're not listening to that, I, I've plugged that, I plugged that show. Um, and, and there's something about that show that's just very calming uh, right now, you know, just two friends sitting around and uh, uh, there's a lot of times where, uh, isn't it funny? Like I'll have my friends over and we'll be talking and then I'll just get this thing. Like, man, I wish this were a podcast. I wish I was recording this right now and we could play it back later, but that that never seems to happen. But those guys are, are doing that and it's a fun show to listen to. It's just like two old friends talking about old times. Uh, speaking of old friends, my old friend Obliterator918, who I have known for a long time. He lives here in Oklahoma. I met him through the Oklahoma Video Game Expo and he is a uh, old Commodore 64 fan, and uh, he's done a lot of stuff for the the community, and and uh, stand-up guy, and he recently released this week a new utility for the Commodore 64. It is the CBM Disk Transfer Benchmark, and I will definitely put a link to this in the show notes. And this is a little utility that will measure how long it takes to uh, save and load a program. Now you might be you might not have a uh, uh you might be thinking well well you know why is that important but it becomes important when when we have all these different options for the commodore sixty four and if you've watched some uh online videos of different uh you know youtube reviewers they're trying to measure benchmarks by you know having the screen flash and you use, use a stopwatch or line things up in in audio editors and do all this well this does all that for you uh you can load up this little uh, utility in your Commodore 64 use a brand new floppy disk and uh it will load and, and save a program and to uh, I believe he said it's accurate to a tenth of a second which is accurate enough for me especially for something on the Commodore 64 but it will uh, uh give you uh you know the times and, and you can do the test yourself if you want to see you know how quickly how much faster is an uh, Epic's fast load then, uh, no fast load cartridge at all. Or if you want to compare, uh, you know, super snapshot or final cartridge or any of those other, you know, um, Jiffy DOS, Dolphin DOS, uh, you know, any, any different combination of fast loaders. And also it allows you to test different uh, platforms. You know, if you want to see for yourself, if the, uh, a real Commodore 64 versus the ultimate C64 versus the C64 or, um, you know, the, uh, bare metal 64 that I've been running all these different things. You can, you can test it yourself. You can get your own, uh, uh, numbers and look at those numbers and see which is the quickest and, and, uh, how these different options stand up. So it's a really cool utility. I think it's going to change, uh, the way a lot of people benchmark the uh, loading and saving uh, times, I You know what? I'll have to, I'll have to throw that up against loading time, uh, <laughs> on uh, this show and see, uh, how long it takes to load because boy, I type in a lot of notes. It seems to uh, take longer each week. Uh, I saw some uh, new games this week. I, there was a new game called poppy locky, uh, which was, uh, uh, a free game. It is on IO, And I downloaded that earlier this week and it's a really, it's a fun little game. It's almost like a mini game where you try to uh, line up these things and open padlocks and it's really fun. It's a little colorful little game. And, uh, again, it's free. And, um, uh, in, you know, back in the day, I think, Developers got to a point where you know they had to put so much into a game to, for people to get their money's worth, but especially in a free game, I mean, you could just do a little mini game like this, and uh, it's really fun. So I will put a link to that. And uh, Roy Sturini, I think, was uh, uh, the man behind uh, that. That's the name that I wrote down. I'm not sure if anybody else uh, assisted with that, but it's a fun, fun little game. Uh, and speaking of fun games, Sarah Jane Avery, who, if you're not following on Twitter, you should be. She has been. Uh, working on several different Commodore 64 projects, and she released uh, Zeta Wing, which is a vertical. Do people say shmup? I don't know. I don't ever say that. I just say shoot 'em up, a vertical shooter uh, type game. It, you know, uh, there was a million of those type of games back in the day. Uh, but it's amazing how great uh, these things have advanced. I mean, how this game looks awesome, it sounds awesome, It has original music. It has all kinds of. Uh, scrolling and graphics. I mean, it's just a really, really fantastic game. And I believe it was uh, $3.99 for the purchase, which is really an incredible bargain if you ask me. Uh, I did purchase a copy and I sent a tweet out and actually that purchase came from uh, Patreon funds. And so I'll be probably reviewing this game in the, the near future, but uh fantastic game. And uh, not only... Is it a good value? But you're supporting someone who's actively developing great games on the Commodore 64, so uh, definitely worth a purchase. And if you just want to see what it's uh, what the game's all about, you can go to YouTube and, and look for uh, Zeta Wing. That's Z E T A Wing, and uh, you'll be able to find videos and stuff out there. Um, I did find a few different games that are coming soon. Uh, one that was announced is a game called Funfair Inc which looks to be very similar to theme park or at least inspired by theme park and it's one of those uh simulation type games where you you build up your little area and and let things go and so I'll be watching the development of uh Funfair Inc as that moves on. Uh I just saw over the past day or two that there is a port of Another World coming to the Commodore 64. Another World was a mind-blowing game. When I first saw that on my IBM PC all those uh, years ago, uh, it was like, uh, had that that vector graphic style intro. And it was um, just a really, really, the graphics on it were unbelievable at the time. And uh, I think seeing that ported to the Commodore 64, is a, you know, it has to be a work of love, but I'm really looking forward to see how well, those graphics translate over to the C64. They've released some screenshots and, uh, and um, some little clips and man, it looks pretty good so far. So I'll definitely be watching out for that. Uh, And finally, there was video this week that came out of the Empire Strikes Back, which is being ported to the Commodore 64. Now this is not the Empire Strikes Back uh, arcade game, which was a vector game and a sequel to uh, Star Wars. That was in arcades. This is a port of the empire strikes back that was released by Parker brothers on the Atari 2600. And so there were ad that were walking, uh, you know, from one side of the screen to the other, and you flew a snow speeder and you had to attack the ad sometimes you can get lucky and kill them with one lucky shot, but mostly you had to fire over and over and over and fly around. It was very, uh, one of those games that really wore your thumb out. And, um, uh, you know, it was on the Atari, like the Adat was all one color and, and the, the animation wasn't very good of them marching and stuff. Holy cow, does this thing look awesome on the Commodore 64. I mean, it is a fully animated, large Adat. I mean, it is so cool looking. Uh, the video clip that I saw, I am really, really looking forward to this. You know, it, it's one of those games that uh, I don't know how long, I mean, I don't know how long it'll hold my attention As a game, just because there wasn't that much to it, you know. But, man, does this thing look good. I'm definitely looking forward uh, to playing that and checking it out. And um, speaking of uh, playing games and stuff, I had a great time this week playing Bounces. But, uh, you know, it is a fighting game. And as everybody knows, it's not just about the fighter. It's about the people you have in your corner. And behind me in my corner this week, uh, I had a great crew. Uh, lined up behind me, I had David Hearn, John Schaller, Eric Strainese, Matt Nicholson, Dave Zilly, Steve Rasmussen, Patrick Markey, Chris Folds, Garrett Allier, Graham Wobke, Rip Grinolds, Scott Lambert, John Morrison, Jayton Automaker, and Cobra Kai. Uh, it's so great to be in the ring and have people like that lined up behind you. Obviously, I was not really in the ring. Those are my Patreon supporters. Uh, we have some new supporters. Graham is a, a new supporter, and Chris Folds is a supporter uh, who has come over from. The, he's I've seen him around the uh, uh, Amigos uh, camp for a long time, and uh, so it's great to see those uh, new names on there. And if you want to. Um, Come join us over at the fun, see what's going on behind the scenes, see uh, behind the scene posts and video clips and join us on the discord server and all that kind of stuff. All you got to do, come over to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and check that out. If you'd like to send me feedback about this episode or any episode of Sprite Castle, you can email me at Rob O'Hara at Rob Contact me on Twitter at Commodore. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Robcast. Catch me hanging out on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, or leave me a voicemail on the Flack Podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. And those are this week's headlines, brought to you by my local paperboy, who just wrecked into my neighbor's flamingo. Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack 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 the egg into the bowl. Crack 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 the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. Well, you know I'm not going to lie, this was a difficult week to find a snack. You know, there aren't any food related items in bounces. There aren't any food related Uh, I mean, nothing in this game really relates itself to food. And, and I, you know, obviously I did play this game as a kid, but I don't have any food related memories that directly tie to this. And I've been playing this game for a week. And the only thing I could think of is that you are connected in this game to the wall with a long, thin string. And I kept, there was something about that. And the more I played this game, it made me start to think of spaghetti. (laughs) And so, uh, right near my house, just a few miles away, there is an Italian fast food restaurant, uh, called Fazoli's. I don't know if you're familiar with Fazoli's. Um, it's very, very funny. Every time we drive by there, if we're going to get Fazoli's, if either my wife or I, or my kids say, Hey, do you want to get Fazoli's? Somebody else in the car will say, Fazoli, Fazoli. I don't even know where that came from, but we always—that's the Fazoli, the official uh, O'Hara Fazoli song, we will always sing Fazoli. Um, but um, Fazoli, you know what? Uh, I, this is not in my notes at all, but I'm going to tell you a funny story about Uh Fazzoli's uh, is Italian fast food. You go in, uh, or you know, right now during the current times, you go through the drive-through and 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 they have italian meals uh and and it's a, a drive through you know or a, i mean it's fast food you order your food and it's ready in a couple minutes and and uh you know it's uh reasonably priced 6 7 dollars 5 6 7 dollars whatever for a meal um and uh we went to fazolis uh, so, uh, 2 years ago when the uh, uh government uh, had its big furlough I was furloughed and so I was off work. And uh a lot of people don't really understand how a furlough works, and now's not really the time to, to dig into it. But uh the simple version is that I was sent home and told that I was not allowed to work and I was also not paid during that time. Now I did eventually receive back pay, and so people hear that and they say, Well, what's the big deal? But what the big deal is is that for over a month, I didn't get paid. So I was missing the paychecks during that time. And so immediately when we find out that we are being furloughed, uh, we immediately start locking down our finances. You know, we, uh, no more steak dinners, no more any of that stuff, you know? And, um, Fazoli's, uh, ran an ad that said, if you came to their restaurant with your government ID uh, and presented it, you could get a free meal, and they had one specific meal, and it was a uh, it like a baked spaghetti. It was spaghetti that had cheese and stuff on top, and it was baked, so it was like a almost like a crust on top. Uh, and one of Fazoli's uh, gimmicks is that it's uh, comes with unlimited breadsticks, and so my friend, uh, coworker of mine, and I uh, Tim, we decided that, um, we were going to do it. Now I was not at a point where, I mean, we were not starving. I was not out of money. Um, but you know, when people make those offers, you know, and here I am doing a commercial basically for Fizzoli's two years later. So they, they get their money's worth out of, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, generosity on their part. So Tim and I went over to Fizzoli's. He came to my house and we drove to Fizzoli's And it's embarrassing. It's a little embarrassing to, uh, you know, go up to a counter and show your, your badge and say, yeah, I haven't been, I haven't had a paycheck in three weeks. I would like your free spaghetti. You feel like you're in a, you know, a food handout line or something like that. So we were trying to be kind of indiscreet, you know, we were, um, or discreet, I guess, uh, we were, um, uh, you know, kind of lowered our voices. We we're like, Oh yeah, we're, um, you know, we're here for the, uh, spaghetti, <laughs> you know, trying to keep our voices low. Uh, And the lady at the register was not only the loudest person on the planet, but had never heard of this special. She had not heard of the furlough. (laughs) I'm not sure she knew what a government employee was. Uh, And it was the most awkward exchange. And it went on for a really long time. She had to go back and talk to the manager three different times. Um, One part I remember about it is, you know, we were... My buddy and I were standing there at the register and I said, you know, we both want it, want the the free meal thing. And then after she rang it up, she said, I'm sorry, it's only valid, um, you know, one per order. And I was like, yeah, we're obviously separate. (laughs) I want one and he wants one. But she had tried to ring them up at the same time. And then the register wouldn't take it. And the manager finally came out and he just said, guys, just go sit down. I will bring you the food and we will figure. And he apologized and, um, you know, and, and he came out, he was super nice. And we told him, uh, you know, how things were going and what was going on. And I think he brought us like a dozen breadsticks or something. And and he apologized for the, you know, all the, all the confusion. I mean, obviously it was a a promo type thing that, um, I think this lady at the register, (laughs) had not been properly trained on, but, um, uh, anyway, I, you know, it's funny, uh, Fazoli story. Um, but so as I was playing bounces, you know, there's this, uh, uh, long wire that connects you in the game. And as I was playing it, I just kept thinking of spaghetti. And so Fazoli's has a meal called the classic sampler, and it has three things, uh, on the meal. It has a, a little, small serving of fettuccine Alfredo. It has a small serving of lasagna with meat sauce. And then it has a small, uh, serving of spaghetti and meatballs. So if you like, you know, different things, like I like to try different things, you know, in a meal or whatever, it's a, a good little meal and it comes with a couple of breadsticks. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, a few nights ago, as I was starting to put together the notes for, uh, this, we uh, went out and, and we ended up picking up Fazoli's and I sat here and I ate my spaghetti. And, um, like I said, I, I know it, it sounds like a stretch and it is a little bit of a stretch maybe this week, but, uh, um, yeah, I think, um, once you play this, you'll probably be thinking about spaghetti and you'll probably be thinking about rubber bands, which we'll be talking about more, uh, as well. So anyway, man, I wish I had spaghetti now. I haven't had dinner yet tonight and, uh, Gosh, I wouldn't mind some fizzoles, but no fizzoles tonight. We're done talking about Italian food. What we're going to be talking about now is the game bounces. <laughs> Bounces was developed for the Commodore 64 by Denton Designs and published for the Commodore 64 in 1986 by Beyond. It is a game for one or two players that uses joystick controls. Uh, This is, I believe, the first time Denton Designs and Beyond have shown up on the podcast, so... Uh, Denton Designs was a, uh, oh, by the way, I wanted to say this in the manual. It says designed by Denton Designs, copyright 1986, Beyond Software, and produced under license from Monolith. So we will talk a little bit about that. Uh, Denton Designs was uh, also known as the Dentons. They were a group of programmers that formed after Imagine uh, collapsed. And so I believe Imagine uh, filed for bankruptcy in 1984. And uh, Denton Designs was formed in 1985. uh, And they were around from 1985 to 1994. Uh, Imagine did a lot of... uh, Coin-op conversions and licensed games, and that is what Denton Designs did uh, at the beginning. They were responsible for "Frankie Goes to Hollywood." Uh, they did mad balls. They did uh, later on. They did Batman Returns. They did uh, Krusty's Super Fun House later on. Uh, but they did a lot of uh, original games as well. Uh, well, I guess "The Great Escape" uh, could also be one. But they did uh, mutants. Eye of Horus, uh, World Class Rugby, Elite Soccer. So they did a lot of uh, original titles. Uh, they also did Transformers, which a lot of people consider to be a really, really bad game uh, for the Commodore 64. Um, but uh, So they were a development house. Uh, they designed a lot of games, and then they went through other publishers. Uh, a lot of their games were published by Ocean, um, but uh, this uh, game was published by Beyond Software. Now, Beyond Software. This is kind of an interesting story. They were. Uh, it looks like they were active according to Lemon. All their titles fall between uh, 1983 and 1986. Uh, I found that the label was initially owned by or owned by Emap, which is the publishing company behind uh, Computer and Video Games magazine. The company was sold to British telecom and became part of telecom soft. This is all UK stuff. Unfortunately, I'm not familiar with these, uh, uh, specific companies, but, um, I did find that beyond had two sub labels, which were monolith and nexus, uh, which they used for different styles of games. So beyond was supposed to mostly be their adventure and strategy games And then Monolith and Nexus would be for their arcade-style games. So uh, I'm not really sure what happened, but there's a lot of references early on that this game was going to be published by Monolith. And even on the title, uh, there's reference to Monolith, but uh, it looks like it was actually published by Beyond. So I don't know. It's kind of confusing. I don't know if there's two different releases um, it doesn't really make sense that the same company would release it twice under their own subsidiary. So I'm not really sure on this one. Um, beyond, uh, published. Let's see here. Up Periscope, Cytron, Lords of Midnight, PSI, Warrior, Spy versus Spy. They did Superman, the game. And one of my favorite games, Romper Rooms. I love my alphabet. <laughs> if you wanted to learn your ABCs folks, you did it on your Commodore 64. So, uh, anyway, lots of games under, uh, this. If you, if you threw all these things together, the design team, uh, and not just, uh, didn't designs, but, you know, the, the same, all those programmers that worked on this and the publishing companies, there's just tons and tons and tons of games that these guys and gals, uh, touched on the Commodore 64. <laughs> So the introduction to bounces says, welcome to the future here. There is no war politics or unemployment. No, today everyone is a proud employee of one of the echo zone corporations. We're all genetically perfect. Work hard and enjoy the fun, fun, fun of the bounces arena. Our corporation-sponsored warrior clones that give them roller boots with toe caps, personalized body armor and helmets, stick a Bounce's ball snatcher in their right hand, and put them into the Bounce's arena. The object is to pitch the Bounce's ball, low-grav slugdonium sphere, through the goal slots, but the crowd goes wild when the players go for the infighting with its bloody knockdowns and slug-outs. Then it says, now you too can play bounces in the comfort of your own leisure dome. So what on earth is this game? Well, um, it's hard to tell from the artwork. The artwork on the front of the box has these two futuristic looking warriors. Um, They're kind of like wearing spandex, but they have... Um, almost like football pads on. They're wearing laser tag helmets. They look like a cross between Tron, laser tag, and maybe American gladiators. Now, one thing that's interesting is that nothing like that appears in the game absolutely nothing so this would have been one of many games where if kids were buying this game based on the artwork they would have been pretty disappointed at what they found inside not that it's not a great game it is a great game but it has nothing uh like this from the future uh on the uh the box scans that i found i saw stickers that said free t-shirt offer see inside for details but i was not uh able to find what those details were. So I don't know if that would have been for a Denton Designs t-shirt or a Bounces t-shirt. That would be pretty cool. I would wear a Bounces t-shirt. The same artwork that's on the front of the box is what was used in the ads. uh, In ads that had the artwork and then it had some text laying over it that said, Bounces, the deadly sport of the future. One or two players, furious fighting fantasy. So... Uh, it's interesting that this game in the ads and in the marketing is being pushed as a futuristic style game. And it is, I technically, I guess a futuristic type game, but, uh, the artwork does not line up with what showed up in the, uh, uh, final game. Uh, and, and, um, uh, to that point, I found an interview, an old interview that was in a magazine uh, with Denton designs about this game. And it said, uh, at Christmas, we will see the launch of bounces, which is what Denton is calling a new game for beyond on its monolith label. And then there's a quote that says the game has gladiators of the future, trying to propel a metal ball into a goal. There are eight character types to choose from, and you can play against an opponent. This interview came from 1985, and this game was released at the holiday season of 1985 or early 96. Um, but there are not eight different characters to choose from. There are only two characters to choose from. And again, uh, you have this pre-marketing idea that it is gladiators of the... F- now, this is the first time we hear gladiators. Um, you know, in the artwork, we see these, again, looks like Tron warriors. knockoff off uh, Tron guys, basically. Um, but, uh, you know, we hear gladiator. So we hear that term, uh, in this, but again, it says futuristic, you know, in future. Uh, and so they're trying to sell this idea of it's a futuristic sport, but when we load the game up, we don't see what appears to be futuristic warriors. Uh, the manual also notes that each bounces player wears roller boots fitted with friction toe caps personalized body armor and a helmet both carry the deadly bounces snatcher part weapon part ball scoop and finally just to make things difficult each player is attached to the back wall by plasflex flex wire there's a lot of goofy uh future term <laughs> type words like i mean you could just say elastic you know but no it is Plas Flex wire. <laughs> Silly. So, uh, when we load the game up, uh, we will see this great, really good looking title screen. It says Bounces. Now, here it says Copyright 1985 by Monolith, and then it says By Denton Designs. Um, we have the uh, large renditions of the two characters. On the left is a knight. He is wearing blue armor. He has a red plume on top of his helmet, and he's holding a shield. And on the right, we see a Viking. He's also holding a shield. He has a big horned Viking helmet, uh, and he's also holding uh, a weapon. So both of them are holding a Bounces Snatcher. And in this picture, it is a rod that's about two foot long, so it's a cylinder. It's almost like the beginning of a lightsaber. And then about two foot down, it just cuts off. So it's, it's flat on the very end. So it is literally like a, a, uh, you know, two foot long pipe, uh, is essentially what it looks like, except for it's, uh, silver in this picture. So this is our, really our first view of the weapon that the guys are going to be using. The manual gives these two characters names. Uh, the knight is known as Sir Ashley Trueblood. It says that uh, True Blood is deadly in combat, but chivalrous to the defeated. Their sponsor is Knight Technicorp and has stuffed uh, no knockdowns or slugouts in two years of Bounce's play with the Knights. So his team is the Knights and his sponsor is the Knight Technicorp, which is more future babble. Uh, the Viking is Eric the Red, and it says he plays dirty to win. His sponsor is Vikings Corp and he is undefeated world champion with the Vikings. Now, what's funny about this is that none of that is important to the game. Uh, I mean, when you see the characters, one guy looks like a little Viking, and one guy looks like, you know, a guy wearing a plate mail armor. Um, so their names and all that aren't important. Uh, it's funny, if you Google Eric the Red, you will find tons and tons of hits uh, about Eric the Red, the Viking. If you Google Ashley Trueblood, if you Google it in quotes, you will only get links to this game (laughs) that people have written about bounces. If you don't use quotes, you will get Facebook profiles to people named Ashley Trueblood, and you will get links to Ashley Hensaw, who is an actress from the HBO series Trueblood. (laughs) Who I assume is not the warrior in this game. So if we get past the title screen, we get to the menu and we get our first look at the game. It kind of shows the uh, layout. We have the the two characters, one on each side of the screen. If you wait long enough, it will start a demo mode and you will see the game playing by itself. Um, At this screen, the function keys will change different things. Uh, F1 or fire on the joystick We'll start the game. F3 will change the number of players between one and two. F5 will change the skill level. There are five different skill levels and I played uh, multiple skill levels on this week's Sprite Castle plays. If you want to see the difference between the uh, skill levels and then F7 selects, if you're only playing one player, uh, which character you would like to control. Um, Also, if you hit restore at this screen, it will restart the total. Now this game Keeps track of how many games each player wins as long as you're playing. And so if you hit restore, it will take those back to zero uh, and uh, take you back to this screen. The controls are pretty simple. Again, it's a joystick control game with the fire button. Left and right moves you uh, toward your opponent or uh, or, uh, back. Towards your wall. Uh, again, you have uh, one opponent on each side of the screen, uh, and you are connected to the wall that you start on with this long uh, piece of elastic. If you stand still for too long, the elastic will start to slowly pull you back. Your feet will be sliding, uh, and will pull you back towards the wall. And if you hit the wall, you will uh, take a hit. You'll be you'll be knocked down. Um, while you are uh, playing the game, if you press up, you will do a little jump, and uh, when you jump, the elastic will pull you back quickly. So if you're trying to avoid getting hit by your opponent, uh, then uh, you can press up to jump. Down will crouch, and when you're crouched, you won't slide. So if you're sliding back towards your wall, you can uh, crouch down and uh, you will stop sliding. And then you have the button. So if you hold down the button and rotate the joystick around, you will be controlling your gladiator's arm. You can swing his arm all the way around. Uh, and also on the game screen here, you will see a little black ball that will start bouncing around. And as long as you're holding uh, the your button down, if you point your arm, if the ball's coming towards you, you can grab the, the ball and then let go of the fire button and shoot the ball. Uh, so there are two goals of this game. Well, let's, uh, that's all the controls basically. So we'll get into the gameplay here. Uh, Every game is three minutes long, consisting of two 92nd rounds. And the goal of, I guess of any game really is to get the highest score. And there are three ways to score points in bounces. Uh, The first two ways are to knock down the other player and you can knock them down by hitting them with your little snatcher, I guess they call it. It looks like a little stubby sword. Uh, so if you are close enough to your opponent, you can just poke him in the head, <laughs> which is what I like to do uh, with the little sword and you'll knock them down and you'll get a uh, few points. Uh, if you grab the ball that's bouncing around and then shoot it at the opponent and it hits them and knock them down, you will also score points. In the ceiling that's over each player, there are a few little openings. And what the real game becomes is shooting that ball into those openings. Now, uh, because of the angle, you can't shoot it directly into there. So it will all be uh, ricochets and and bounced uh, shots, either off the ground or off the back wall, different things like that. But if you can get it into those little openings, you also score points. So that's the game is, uh, you and your opponent trying to grab this ball. That's bouncing around shooting it at each other, shooting it at each other's goals. Um, and, uh, and there's always the fun thing about this game, I think is there's always something different you could be doing. So like, if you're trying to get the ball and shoot it in the goal, the other guy can come over and hit you with the sword and knock you down. Or, If you're trying to, if he's coming with the sword and you have the ball, you could shoot the ball at him. Of course, he could get the ball and grab it. You know, he could catch it. Or sometimes if you're close together, you'll throw the ball. It'll hit him in the head, bounce back and hit you in the head. And then you knocked yourself out. So uh, now at the bottom of the screen, each player has a little stamina meter that has green, yellow, and red. Uh, Each time you get hit, your stamina goes down. Uh, but, uh, you know, it slowly builds back up, um, uh, now different shots, like the ball uh, hitting you takes more stamina than just getting knocked down. Um, but, uh, as the game goes on and you take more and more damage, if you get all the way to the red, you won't get back up until it builds up back into the yellow again. So you really kind of have to watch your stamina. Uh, also, if you are really stretching that piece of elastic, that's holding you back, the further you go towards your opponent, the more stamina you use. So if you could get him to come to your side, then he'll be using more stamina. So it's just a, a little, uh, yet another little nuance to this game. Um, the manual doesn't really discuss the scoring system. So I had to play this game several times. I actually had to record it and watch it back because the scores changed so quickly. Um, if you hit the other player and knock him down with your sword, you get three points. If you shoot the ball at them and knock them down, you get four points. And then there are three goals on each side. And those three goals from the closest to the furthest are worth four, five, and six points. So obviously the goals are worth the most points, but you know, if you just keep knocking the other guy down, you can, uh, you know, get a pretty good score, uh, uh, you know, just the same probably the most annoying thing about this game is that it's so easy to score on yourself. You know, if you've ever played air hockey and you're one of those people that just whacks the puck as hard as you can, and it comes back and goes in your own goal bounces is a lot like that. Um, You know, you throw these wild shots at the ball and uh, it, you know, sometimes he'll throw the ball and it'll bounce off your head. It'll knock you out. And then it goes into your goal Uh, or you'll throw the ball and it'll bounce all around the screen and then end up in your own goal. And the goal is, on the ceiling, so there's no way to to block the ball when it's going up uh towards the goal so uh, that um that's probably the most frustrating thing is that if you're not trying to you know being in slow and in control if you're playing you know fast it's easy for um things to get out of hand and of course, that constant piece of elastic that big rubber band uh is always a factor in everything you're doing when you're trying to to uh, aim a shot and then the rubber band starts pulling you back uh you know it it um just kind of gets annoying speaking of rubber bands the largest rubber band ball in the world <laughs> weighs 9032 pounds which is 4097 kilograms and it was made by Joel Wall in the United States uh he was in Florida he made this in 2008 and there was a weekend where they were celebrating the guinness book of world records and he used 700,000 rubber bands to make the world's largest rubber band ball. So there's a little trivia fact for you. I have not seen the world's largest rubber band ball. Um, I have seen the largest ball of twine in America. Now, this is um, <laughs> this is another sidetrack. I did not plan on talking about this, but it just reminded me. I'm looking at a picture of this rubber band ball the largest ball of twine in America is hotly contested because there are different variables. uh, And there are actually three different largest balls of twine. (laughs) Most people know or believe that the largest ball of twine is in Minnesota. And most people think that because of the weird owl song. Um, But the, I believe the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota is the biggest ball of twine made by a single person. The biggest ball of twine made by multiple people um, is in this tiny little town called Cocker City, Kansas. And um, we were we were driving home from a really long road trip, and uh, I was half asleep and driving, and my wife yelled, stop, and I hit the brakes. We were like driving down this two-lane street, like a main street in a tiny town. I slammed on the brakes, I thought there was something in front of me, you know? And I said, what, what? We skidded to a stop. She goes, there's the biggest ball of twine. (laughs) And so we, I was like, are you kidding me? And so we pulled over and, um, we went to go, uh, see it. It is, um, I think about 11 foot around. I mean, it is gigantic. Um, but the difference is, is that it is, uh, made by multiple people. And so, uh, every year, I guess they have a, a, uh, a day where the, the town gets together and brings more twine and everybody from the town adds to this giant ball. So that is the biggest ball of twine, uh, built by multiple people. Um, and then the, um, uh, there's also uh, the one in Wisconsin. There's one in Wisconsin. Why are we talking about this? Why do I know this? Uh, it is the heaviest ball of twine, Uh, and then there's another one uh, that we saw. I've seen two of them, I guess. I forgot about this. There was one in um, Branson, Missouri, which is the largest nylon twine ball. (laughs) There's also a uh, Guinness museum in Branson, Missouri, uh, that we went to. Um, yeah. So there you go. There's a lot of, um, uh, A lot of uh, different biggest balls of twine, but (laughs) this is going nowhere. I'm sorry. Let's get this uh, back on track. Um, Reviews of the game bounces are pretty positive. Zap gave this game 86 out of 100. Your Commodore gave it 8 out of 10. Happy Computer gave it 79 out of 100, which is almost a B. Uh, ASM gave it 78 out of 100. And on Lemon, 64. It has a score of 7.5 based on 48 votes, so that's a pretty good score. I looked on eBay, and I should say, if you want to play this game on uh, anything right now that's a Commodore 64, you shouldn't have any problems running it. This is a single-file game. Uh, It's not not a... you know, complicated loader or anything like that. So anything from a SD card reader, any of the uh, Commodore 64 uh, different uh, implementations should be able to play this game with uh, uh, no problem. Uh, I did find a copy for sale on eBay. It's a cassette version, and it was uh, about $15 with shipping. So that's not terrible, but it's just for the cassette. Um, now I did find a copy that recently sold that was, uh, 1293 and then it said it was thirty eight eleven shipping, but th- I looked and that was being sold in the UK. And so it was figuring up shipping, uh, to the U S. So I guess if you had been in the UK, you probably got, could have got that uh, shipped to you, uh, a little bit, a little bit cheaper. Uh, and now let's talk about my personal memories of the game bounces, all right, time travelers, fastened, away to the past. Huh? Memories. I think every kid who had a Commodore 64 spent plenty of time playing games by themselves, and there are a lot of games that are fun to play by yourself, um, but. There's something special about having your friend come over and playing two player head to head games. And especially on games where you each had a copy of it. So it wasn't like it was a game that one of you was really good at. And the other one had never seen, you know? So bounces was definitely one of those games that my buddy Jeff had and I had, and we would both play it at home by ourselves. But when I would go to his house or he would come to my house, this is a game that we always played, uh, because it supports two players and what is more fun than two friends controlling little tiny fighter guys attached to elastic, <laughs> hitting each other with swords and shooting this little metal ball at each other and, uh, and trying to score, you know? Uh, so I don't know that I have any specific stories about bounces in particular, but when I played this game over the past week, I just couldn't help but remember those great times. And what a fun time. Uh, I mean, what a great time to own a Commodore 64 in the 80s uh, when you and your friends would get together. And, of course, it—you know you had your two joysticks and you could just play these games head to head. And so it's just this game is really simple to play and it's really fun to play. But that, it, more than the game, that's my memory of this game is just playing it with my friend Jeff. Uh, and, and one of those games that's each it's, it's super short, right? Like each game is only three minutes long. And just playing those games and at the end find out who's the winner, laugh, and then start over and do it all over again. For graphics, I will give Bounces three out of five PlasFlex wires. Uh, the graphics of the little characters are good. They're a little small. The background is pretty plain, and the colors aren't too exciting. So it's it's good, it's passable, but it doesn't really stand out. Uh, I will also give music three out of five. Plasflex Flex wires. Uh, the music is good, but uh, it's just in the background a little too much. It doesn't really grab your attention. Uh, sound effects. I will probably give two out of five. I don't. I barely even remember the sound effects, so uh, the sound effects don't really stand out. But overall gameplay, I'm giving Bounces five out of five. This is a must-play game. On the Commodore 64. I think you will find it fun in one-player mode, and I think you will find it an absolute blast to play in two-player mode. So if you've not played Bounces before, go check out the Sprite Castle Plays video, watch a little bit of that, or better yet, fire up your Commodore 64 and give this game a try. Thanks again for tuning in to Sprite Castle. If you'd like to send me feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com, Contact me on Twitter at Commodore. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Robcast. Catch me hanging out on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server or leave me a voicemail on the Flack podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. If you'd like to support this show and gain access to behind-the-scenes blog posts and other bonus features, visit patreon.com forward slash to learn more. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, the Sprite Castle RSS feed at podcast.robohara.com and through the Amigos podcast feed at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. To hear more podcasts from me, check out You Don't Know Flack, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and multiple sadness. You can find links to all these shows at podcast.robohera.com. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore is Awesome, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. Thanks again for listening. Watch out for Slugnonium Spheres, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle.